Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Double One Radio Gamescast. We're here every week. I'm your host, Ryan, and today I'm joined by my illustrious crew of co-hosts, Alex. Hi. Brett. I've had to sneeze for the past five to six minutes. <laughs> and Wyatt. I have not had to sneeze for the past five minutes. Well, I'm glad you have been absolved of that basic human body function. Me too. Yeah, that's a, it's good news. You know? Alright, we have a lot lighter news roundup than usual, which means we can actually start to talk about other things than news and video games. <gasps> so, oh, no we're putting on... We, we've had a topic sitting in the wings for almost a month now about nostalgia games, so we're going to be talking about that. But first, as always, we gotta get... Well, we gotta give an award to something, right? Because we give awards now. That's our thing. So the the award we're giving this week is the Double One Radio Games Cast Aged Like Milk Award. <laughs> now I, I have it. three entrants. You are welcome to throw in additional ones once I have mm. thrown these three out there. Uh, but remember, constructive criticism. We're not here to trash people. We're just here to say the facts. So our first entrant is the. Uh, Duke Nukem Forever, I think for pretty. Obvious I knew reasons. it. Why did I know it? <laughs> I don't. I doubt Why? any of us have played this game. Was but based on reputation dated? alone, <laughs> what'd you say? What was that game ever not dated though? Like not just dated, but aged like milk, right? Like how I mean, it worse time time made it worse. I mean, it was old milk when it came out. <laughs> well, then that that only that only well, now it's rancid old time milk. on the milk. Yeah. It doesn't, I don't mean when it came out, because Doom Duke Nukem Forever was announced to like ten years before it came out, and it got yeah. progressively uh, worse. Twelve, actually. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're making. You're proving my point. <laughs> All right. Our next entrant is Bioware's reputation. <laughs> oh. Oh. You're make me choose between those two and something else. <laughs> I think this is, has to do with their lack of great things coming out recently. And you know, we don't know what they... Well, we do know what they've got cooking. They've got Dragon Age cooking. But it's been cooking for a long time, and we haven't seen anything. So, a little skeptical. And updates for Anthem. And updates <laughs> for Anthem. Woo! And our final entrant. There are a lot of... See, this, this entrant could have been a lot of things. Yeah. All relating to Bethesda. But I oh. think the best one is Bethesda's monetization. <laughs> Their business models, mm. their practices. It's gotten continually worse. They're re-releasing $60 ports. We got the entirety of Fallout 76, just the entirety of it. Get, getting a tiny bit off topic, just a one-sentence thing. I am hopeful that that may change now with the, uh, the Microsoft uh, Hopefully. bit. Yeah, that's something we're, we're probably going to talk about about because we haven't talked about it. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Okay. Um, but these are our three entrants. If there are any surprise nominees, feel free to throw them out. No? Uh, see, not that I can think of. I don't the know gameplay what's... of Pokemon. That's mm. a good one. That's a good it one. hasn't changed actually. in like 15 years. Alright, and Ooh. the gameplay of Pokemon. That's our fourth entrant. Can I, can I add one? Yep. Uh, Madden. That entire series. It, yeah. 
I think that the we can broaden that to just be sports, monetization of sports games in general. Yeah. What sports game have has have become? All right. So between those five entrants, we're gonna go down the line and give a vote. You can give like one sentence on it if you really want to. If you have a burning passion for why this should be the aged like milk award of the year. <laughs> How about you, Alex? What an award. Where's your vote going? I came here to kick butt and chew milk. <laughs> and I'm all out of milk. <laughs> because Duke Nukem Forever has taken it all. <laughs> all right. We got a Duke Nukem Forever. Brett. Stole You're in the spotlight. My, uh, Duke Nukem stole my milk, Alex. <laughs> oh. I mean, I never really had much, like, attachment to them but just like I, i'm 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 friends with a lot of people that uh that that kind of that kind of buy uh skyrim on every uh every possible <laughs> port imaginable and every time it happens i'm like man i i i love you man but that's uh that's stupid <laughs> and it just it's just kind of infuriating that they could just kind of get away with it and of of course all the many other things that they've done i've kind of like kept up with it a lot I, I again i don't really play bethesda games but i think that's my uh that's my milk yeah <laughs> i think uh i'm gonna have to go with your milk too brett because right. bethesda's monetization is really grinding my gears i really uh, just want to see a new game mm-hmm. and that's not happening anytime <sighs> soon Wyatt, show us your milk <laughs> Serve us your, our our glass of rancid milk. What what is it? Yeah, I can't like decide. I can't decide what's worse: something coming out that was like already so dated, like even when it first came out, or something that started from a really high point and then just sank. You know what I, I mean? It's, it's the monetization of strategies to me just never had a place in time at all. So I don't know if what. But given okay, but given that that Duke Nukem came out in 2012, that didn't really have a time and place either. Yeah, I mean, it would have been back, you know, in like the mid to late 90s. But there you go. Early 2000s. A milk in a hard place. What's your vote? A milk in a nuke place. Why? This is the game part of the show. We don't we don't linger on this. You're lingering on this. Look, look, look. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go with Bethesda just because. I feel like they were like a studio that was like that understood. They had game. a higher starting point. They had they they were just like such mm. a relatable company because it felt like they understood uh, the people who played their games really well, and that disconnect that thing mm. that I feel like made them so unique is just completely gone. Now it's the same thing with Blizzard, where it's like that like we understand you people and what you guys want and what you value is just gone. And yeah, I think that's very sad. All right, we have our we have our winner. It is Bethesda's monetization has aged like milk, to the surprise of I think no one. No. Uh, but there were some other good nominees in here, which means we now can completely forget about that until we inevitably <laughs> do something with this giant list of awards. I mean, they peaked with Skyrim on Alexa, and they just went downhill after. That. Yeah, that, yeah, that April Fool's video really did, was the peak. All right. <laughs> So, we got a few things. We're going to blast through the Tokyo Game Show stuff that is, I think, interesting to a lot of people. 
there's a lot of Tokyo Game Show stuff, and as we covered last week, we're going to be focusing a little less on, on nitty-gritty news, a little more on high-concept news, which means we're going to mention that there was Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity gameplay, but we're not really going to go into it. Because you can just go watch the trailer. It looks pretty Other fun. Other than it looks fun, yeah. Yeah, that, fun. that's about <laughs> the gist of that. Uh, again, Monster Hunter Rise gameplay, Near Replicant got... A trailer, <laughs> another one. Uh, New replicate version one point two two four seven four four eight seven one three nine, which is their title. Good. Yeah. Hmm. Very very big fans of Kingdom Hearts. I see. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't. I'm ex- I'm excited for New Replicant just because I really like oh, Near Automata and I played a tiny bit of the original Near and never finished it. So it'd be cool to finish it. Uh, we're getting Dynasty Warriors 9 Empires, which is dropping the open world of Dynasty Warriors 9, which Shocker. is pretty much universally perceived as bad. So yeah, they're dropping that, and they're turning the gameplay into something hopefully better. Uh, we got more Balan Wonderworld features, uh, more cyberpunk about the design of Night City, some Capcom looking into Xbox One and PS4 releases for Village, but we're not certain about that yet. Uh, Resident Evil Village is going to be more exploration heavy than 7 was also confirmed nice. uh, we saw the Devil May Cry Virgil thing and he's going to be on Xbox One PS4 via DLC that DLC has been confirmed to be $5 on PC oh. at least which is pretty that's good nice. for I mean, like a that's... full character yeah that's not <clears throat> yep alright uh, <laughs> we're getting apparently a Resident Evil show on Netflix yeah, I saw that. Huh. God, oh my god. It's going to be a CGI episodic series starring oh, Leon oh, Kennedy and no. Claire Redfield. No, oh. what, kind of, what kind of CGI fair, are we talking about? It's no, it, it looks it realistic. It looks like it's just from it looks like it's from like like a good game, like good yeah. game CGI. It's not like the like new the Ghost Final Shell Fantasy CGI. movie. That but good. Yeah, I would oh, say close okay. to Final Fantasy movie. Yeah. Um Yeah, we're going to Kingdom Hearts Trash fire now and had specific getting a demo. <laughs> that's about that's about it on the the Kingdom Hearts Rhythm game. Some more Scarlet oh. Nexus stuff uh, with Scarlet ne- Nexus. The in- the interesting thing with Scarlet Nexus is it's going to have two campaigns and oh. two protagonists, so you can play hmm. through two different campaigns. That's cool. Huh, Ryan? Doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah, I mean, I wonder. Oh, <laughs> Shin oh Megami, God, no! <laughs> Shin Megami Tensei Three is going to have a merciful mode which i believe is supposed to be an easier way to experience the game because it's notoriously difficult and the remaster is probably going to be played by a lot of new people game adding an uh, easy mode the the spin-off near mobile game is going to be coming to the west in europe at some point a what mobile game the near spin-off mobile game yeah, I haven't heard literally anything about it i don't know if it's good or bad or what yeah there's a nino kuni mobile rpg uh, there was some cool talks about from the Ooh. devs of the medium about how it uses the next gen stuff for sound. Yeah, that's, uh, that that's was interesting. very interesting. The Xbox Series S apparently has already been reduced in price in Japan as well. So I don't yep. by about twenty eight dollars American. So oh. it, it it's an interesting little thing. Uh, Flight Simulator is going to be adding updates that do a nice like update to different areas of the world. So the first one's going to be Japan. And it's free and coming out uh, the day this podcast is out, actually. So if you're listening and you like Flight Sim, go to Japan and Flight Sim. Something that doesn't 
Something that doesn't change what we're reporting on after we've already reported on it. That's a nice change of pace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, more medium <laughs> stuff that looks pretty cool. We saw some stuff about a few characters. And yeah, that, that's that's the gist of the, the Tokyo Game Show bullet point announcements, unless anyone has something else they want to bring up. I do. All right, um, Brad. Because there's... It's, it's, it's not like a, like a completely industry-destroying, amazing-looking game, but I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever played... I think it's like... Godzilla Save the Earth or something for like I played that game. Xbox. I played so much of that game. Isn't it fun? It's so good. Well, Ryan, you'd be happy to know that it seems like other people in Japan really liked it because they're making like almost like a spiritual successor kind of game where it's just like four player all the Oh, we we're losing Brett, but Oh no. He's talking about like Gigabash. Leg Sentai things like there's just bootleg kaiju oh yeah and it looks like fun yeah i'm always skeptical about these four player things after there's been a a ton of them that look pretty good but that come out and just aren't Mm -hmm. like override mech city brawl is one that came out that's just not great it's okay but it's just not that interesting and i think things have kind of failed to capture that godzilla essence but from looking at the trailer for this it does look to be pretty cool i'll give you that it looks like fun well so what's going on? <laughs> Brett's just having some some issues. It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's it's, it's okay. the demons in his internet. Oh. All right, that's our, our Tokyo Game Show roundup. Uh, we want to talk a bit about. There was something that Xbox did that Alex mentioned earlier that I just blanked on. I don't know why. Xbox um, did Microsoft something. Microsoft buying. acquiring Bethesda. That's why. That's the Huge. thing. Huge news. <laughs> That incredibly interesting and implicative uh, event in what will be video game history. <laughs> Maybe. I can hope. The, well, the thing well, that I'm concerned about is Microsoft has said they're going to be pretty hands-off with ZeniMax. So I'm a little worried things just won't change. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, this will just be like good. a publishing move, essentially. I just I think it's, the they're going to have less problems. I'm hoping they're going to have less problems with money because of this. I think that the biggest um, question mark is what I mean. I, what they've said is they're going to stick to their uh, exclusivity agreements in terms of uh, Deathloop and the other one, which I can't remember off the top of my head. But the biggest question mark is what you know. What is going to remain uh, available across different platforms? You know, are I, they going to keep big things like Elder Scrolls and that kind of thing? Are they going to keep that within like Xbox's ecosystem, or are they going to have this thing where any, you know, they're going to keep those larger franchises multi-platform, but they're also going to have studios work on new things that are just for... I mean, I, I can all but guarantee the big three are, are going to remain, you know, not Xbox exclusive, but, you know, the, the mini, uh, the, the, the smaller uh, multitude of studios that Bethesda and Zenimax uh, were, were over are probably going to be um, more, more taken in by yeah. Microsoft to get a better like, uh, I think monetary deal. I think probably doing some cool xbox exclusives after uh, deathloop comes out because they have said they're going to be honoring the exclusivity windows for deathloop and there's one other game that a is a max owned studio was working on for ps4 uh, that is also getting that treatment and i think it's it's both of those games are not huge system sellers so it's not really a, a big concern so microsoft was like it's probably better to not like buy out the contracts for those I do find it kind of humorous that now PlayStation has two exclusive games that are 
kind of published by Microsoft. Yeah, and I think yeah. most of those games are timed exclusives. I don't believe they're fully exclusive. Are they? Are they? I, I think Deathloop at least is. Uh, but that could I can't be picture Deathloop news. being fully exclusive. Because nothing de in Deathloop's advertising is super PlayStation heavy, and PlayStation yeah, it's, usually it's PlayStation usually goes pretty crazy with the the advertisements when it's a, an exclusive like Horizon. Oh, the other one's uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Which oh, is Ghostwire. Oh, oh yeah. If any of them stays PlayStation exclusive, I could see Ghostwire being it, just because that mm -hmm. that tends to align more with like the primary Japanese audience of PS4 uh, and PS5. At least Phil, from hi historically speaking, so that might change. But Phil we'll Spencer has said that in terms of like uh, which games will come to other platforms, it's a case by case basis. So yeah, they don't. So they either don't have a full plan yet, or they're not willing to talk about it. Yet. I'm betting they but, don't have the full plan yet because but, with something like Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six, we just don't know right now. Like <laughs> I think they're too. I just feel like they're too big to be exclusive. It's like, is Microsoft willing to give up the amount of people that would buy yeah. the game on PS4 for exclusivity? It I don't think they very, would be. Like their, their whole image for the past couple of years has been very pro-consumer, and to like take away games that have been previously multi-platform... But imagine, imagine them taking them away, putting them on Game Pass, and then trying to make Sony allow Game Pass on, on PS4s. Well, yeah, that's rather anti-gamer of you. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that if they did that, that would go completely against their whole, like, uh, you know, a pro-consumer uh, image that they've been setting up very well, I might add, over the last couple of years. I yeah. just feel like that would be such a the wrong move. To Wouldn't make. be a very pro-gamer move of you, Microsoft. No. no. It would not. Yeah. Uh, we also did learn that Sony's uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales is the only way to get a remastered version of the original Spider-Man on PS5. What? Uh, there's no what, what direct that upgrade, mean? which is a, oh. a weird decision. Huh? Yeah, that is very Sony of them. I, I, I was going to say, I will say, we were just talking about Microsoft, but uh, that does sound like a very Sony move. Yeah, I, I, I don't fully get this move because it's just odd. Because like people are either way going to be buying the new game. So I think they're just trying to squeeze that extra $10, $20 out of people to buy the version that also has Spider-Man original. It. I, I I alternate between PlayStation and PC, and I don't see myself buying the PS5 for a while. Yeah, really. I, I will probably be buying it pretty early on, but that's because in reality, it's it's approaching being better than my computer. Oh, at least the, so the SSD speeds are so. So I I and I was actually able to somehow get a pre-order. What a magical so little boy you are. <laughs> so it'll it'll be interesting, I think, to see like because like the launch of any new console is such like a precarious kind of first step. Yeah. Because you, you just have no idea what's what's around the corner, like what's actually coming up. Like I can think of so many things that were talked about, you know, when the PS4 and the Xbox One were coming out that never saw the light of day. Like no one Absolutely. no one. Absolutely no one remembers Deep Down, which is this, like, weird Capcom, like, Souls-like thingy with some, like, rogue-like thingies in it. It was really weird. Capcom Souls-like? I mean, Capcom really are, does have a Souls-like called Let It Die, but it's very different oh. from what Deep Down no, was. No, it's not, it's not this. Deep Down was 
It was like it was. It, it was, was still dark everywhere. fantasy. It was like their benchmark for like this is what, like this is what the next generation will look like, and it just never came out. Hmm. Yeah. Funky. It's always curious, and like stuff like Scalebound never happened. So. Oh. Rip Scalebound. <laughs> yeah, I gotta remind people about Scalebound. That's <laughs> so a, sad. I wish we could put Xbox's that for Age by Milk, but it just doesn't exist. <laughs> Um, okay, so Among Us 2 got cancelled, so the devs can add the features that were going to be in Among Us 2 into the first game, because the game had a huge boost in popularity. Why was there going to be in Among Us 2? Was that because it, w it was, I guess, somewhat an old game, and it just Among started Us to get popularity? Among Us 2 was like three, four years old. Or Among Us oh. is three, four years old. Yeah, it just got game. hugely popular okay. on Twitch recently, mm. and is now one of the best-selling <laughs> games on Steam, so <laughs> it's doing I, well for itself. I still have no idea what it is. It's a it's a hidden role game. It's like Mafia. Uh, it's like Trouble in Terrier's Town, kind of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Baldur's Gate Early Access got delayed by a week, which is <laughs> confusing. Oh, no. <laughs> what's that? I don't know what that week is giving them, but... We have to fix all of the battle animations, and <laughs> they have to rebalance this entire weapon tree. We have a week to do it. Just give us a second. I mean, it's also launching into early access. We're build from January, guys. Let's it, it's do it. not a full launch. It's early access. That's even weird. So, weirder. what my, my suspicion, having worked on a, a project that did do, like, Steam pages and whatnot, is that it's something on the metadata end of Steam <laughs> and them, like, needing to <clears throat> fill out certain things, because they might have had, like, tags... Because on Steam, like, if you have something like controller support, full controller support in there, you need to have full controller support for everything you can do in the game. Which is why a lot of games, if they have even, like, a, a login screen for an online account, won't have that tag. Even if they do have, like, otherwise full controller support. It's because of little stuff like that. So it might have been something along those lines that did this. Or it could just be other circumstances that we don't know about. Um... Yeah, that that that's our our news roundup, I think. Oh, unless anyone's got surprising news they've pulled from weird places. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to um, dissect the meme that uh, Microsoft is going to be purchasing Sega. Yes, oh. yes. Yeah. Wait, what? It's, it's it's a meme. It's not real yet. Oh, but okay. Don't know if it is. People don't are worry. trying to like people are trying to like game theory this whole thing and and like. They're look, looking at all these different clues as to like, oh, could Microsoft be purchasing? Say, I was just like, we're talking about dissecting memes. I just got over Stickbug. Don't talk to me about Microsoft <laughs> purchasing Sega. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So now we can move into our nostalgia games discussion. So what we're going to be talking about is just in general games that we enjoyed when we were younger. Uh, and younger doesn't necessarily mean like a little baby it means games that you have nostalgia for and nostalgia for games can be pretty recent to be honest like as, as long as it's hitting that benchmark if you have some reason of having nostalgia of it you can talk about it as a nostalgia game uh although i'm sure a lot of this is going to be about stuff that is older i know for me personally metal gear hey hey mm. huge series also just re-released on gog if you've never played them this is true Ooh. Uh, all of that and are available should. on GOG now. Probably a really good discount if it's on there too. Yeah, they're, they're cheap. Uh, they're they're old ports, so they don't run amazingly well. You have to do. You don't really have to do anything, but they they're not like remasters or anything. They're the old okay. games, but there's it's, no yeah. finagling required. 
Yeah, from yeah. my knowledge. And the UI is outdated because it's like a, a old version of the games. But still fun to have those on PC. Interesting uh, interesting fact about that um, is that some of like the game over screen, all the things on it are not like like PNGs or anything. They're like just straight vector images. So if you have like yeah. a really good resolution running, it'll just be the most crisp thing <laughs> in the entire game. There are just some things in that game that are just vectors instead, which is really weird. That's cool. a super interesting decision. I, I love it when we find old stuff like that out about older games because of new tech. Yeah. We also have just recently the uh, the Mario All-Stars collection, which ties in nicely to this discussion. It wasn't planned that way, but it worked out that way. And that's pretty fun because I've been playing Sunshine and having a lot of fun with it. And 64. How about playing you 64 again. Yeah, 64 holds up pretty well. Pretty well. The camera's still pretty bad. But aside from that, it holds up well. How about the it's, rest it's... of you guys? My yeah, first what's your nostalgia games, Alex? I was gonna, my first experience with 64 is on the DS version. <laughs> um, mine, too. I, mine too. I wouldn't call that a nostalgia game necessarily. Um, really? Ooh. Um, yeah, I, I, I still haven't finished it. Uh, um, but it, it, it wasn't as big a part of my gaming childhood as um, some other things. And I am going to pull out the first example that I'm talking about right now, and it's a plastic bag full of Professor Layton games. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, the first one that I played was Unwound Future, and that was pretty early on in middle school. And what I can remember, one of my first I, I, uh, game memories, um, uh, maybe besides Pokemon, but what was that diamond so, so yeah uh the professor layton uh game series specifically unwound future uh which was the third game in the original trilogy i think uh there's that and there's the somewhat meme entry of i, I don't know if you guys have ever played the the educational video game math blaster before oh have i <laughs> have oh, i have played I? math blaster Math Blaster. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Oh. That spiky blue-haired dude and the multiplication tables that kept tripping me up. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I'm trying... I don't have a lot of, like, super uh, detailed memories of it. I just remember the logo, like, the splash screen. And just every time that we were able to play it at school, I just, like, freaked out. <laughs> oh, it's one of those... Yeah, it was a side-scrolling, uh, side-scroller, uh, shooting math game where you played this, uh, blue-skinned, blue-haired guy in space. And now I want to try to find it again because we're bringing it up. You're bringing it up. You're the one bringing yeah. it up, not us. It's your fault. Don't put this on us. It is entirely my fault, but it's your topic. It is, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're oh, right. snap. You brought I this guess on yourself? So. I guess so. Yeah. Um. So those those are the two that um immediately jump to mind. Yeah, yeah I, well, I wish I, I wish I had gotten into Layton games. I was more of a Phoenix Wright person. Oh. <laughs> what was that, Wyatt? You had a you had something to say. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, 
nostalgic games are weird for me because uh, just because of how my uh, parents felt about video games when I was a kid. So I, I remember... It's just so weird because it's like I don't really have a distinct time where I like, remember playing my first game. But like I remember getting an N64 when I was really, really young. And then my, my parents just didn't like it in the house, so they got rid of it. And oh. I played on that. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, they didn't. Yeah. Uh, and the Such two games that I reasoning. played, the, the, the two games that I played, and I don't really remember them, so I don't really count them. But it's a fun little story, I guess. But uh, the two things I remember playing was the original Smash Brothers with my brother. Oh. And um, Ocarina of Time, and just my brother and I not being smart enough to get outside of uh, <laughs> the village because we didn't know what to do. Good. Um, <laughs> and then, and then I have other memories of uh, for the longest time. Every summer we would go to uh, Oregon because uh, I have we have a bunch of family out there, and there was a PS2 out there. And I remember playing. Uh, we had a PS2, but we had a bunch of PS1 games. So I remember playing like that PS1 Spider-Man game a lot, oh, and not really oh, yeah. figuring out how web swinging worked. <laughs> um, oh god! And then the first Crash Bandicoot game I ever played was Crash Bash. Yes, please feel sorry. Really? Wait, that, that which first... which one's Crash Bash? It is the uh, Mario Party ripoff. Oh. Crash. Oh yeah. dear. Game uh, worse than racing. <laughs> But then after that, it's like, I just didn't play games for the longest time. Uh, I did have a Game Boy, which brings me on to my first actual nostalgia Ooh, game, man. Advance Wars 2, the greatest Game Boy Advance game ever made, and you cannot convince me otherwise. I played um, tons of Advance Wars 2. Dude, Advance Wars 2 is one of those games where it's like, it doesn't do anything super unique, but everything it does, it does so well. It's such like a solid, just made, well-made, like turn-based strategy. And I love it to death. I know all of like the themes to all the characters and like just the the theme song, just everything about it, all the maps, like I just I love that game to death. And the fact that it was left in the dust makes me very sad and I will never stop whining about it until I get another one. Moving on. <laughs> uh, the first time I really got like into gaming though, like serious about it was when uh, I got an Xbox 360 for Christmas. And we played a lot of ODST. We played a lot of Halo 3. Classic. Um, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Halo, Halo then, 3 is definitely on the list. The one true game to buy with an Xbox. And then a lot of memories of playing like Oblivion and Skyrim uh, and countless Call of Duties <laughs> whenever my brother's friends would come over and we would all just play Call of Duty. Yeah, I think for me it was definitely the uh, Oblivion was my most important one because I would watch my dad play Morrowind. Oh, when cool. I was really young, and not understand a lot of it, because <laughs> I was a, a tiny child at that point. Uh, and eventually, I, when Oblivion came out, I was old enough to like understand what it was, and actually play the game to some degree. And I always loved that we got the copy of Oblivion that was still rated T. <laughs> so a lot what? of people don't know this. Oblivion had two ratings from the ESRB. When it released, it had the rating of T, but eventually, with all the blood and everything, they adjusted the rating to be mature. So, some this. people will have a rare huh. copy of Oblivion for whatever console that has a T on the ESRB logo and not an wow. M. Wow. 
So but, uh, that was like the original runs of the of the game were that, and we had that copy. And I remember it right. because one of the copies we had, I think, because I eventually got it for my PS3 when my dad had it on his Xbox. So when I got it on the PS3, I ha- I got one of those like pre-owned T copies, but it had an M in Sharpie over the T <laughs> <laughs> to mark that, and I thought that Good. was hilarious. Brad, so, I think the person you were talking about earlier would be interested to hear that. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. hilarious. <laughs> it's also, I think, Oblivion for me is like still going back and playing it. It's the Elder Scrolls game I enjoy the most. Compared even to Skyrim, because like Oblivion is, is definitely more dated, but it's more of a true RPG and offers a lot better choice. It just it feels like there's more content and choice to it, just in general. Yeah. Well, what you're because you were talking about uh, like you watching your your dad play Oblivion, and that reminds me of um, like there were so many times when like my brother would invite his friends and they would play zombies, and because I was so young, I would get too scared to play, so I just watch. <laughs> Absolutely. But but dang it, if I don't remember so many of like Nikolai and Dempsey's voice lines from that game, because there was always just two of them. So it was always just Dempsey and it was always just Nikolai. But I remember so many of their voice lines and just like saying them to myself and practicing them in my head. (laughs) Because I would always watch them play. And they just had the the best like uh, dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do remember a lot of Call of Duty Zombies that I played in Black Ops 2. But that was, I think, kind of past the nostalgia point for me, at least for Call of Duty. Although, yeah. well, I that... think the one I have actual nostalgia for is World at War. Oh, yeah. Because I played, I played that one a lot. It was, I think it was my first like real Call of Duty game that I knew was a Call of Duty game. And I just played tons of the campaign and the zombies in that. Such a good campaign. Well, Wait, is that one of the older World War Two ones, or I think it's Vietnam. It's oh Vietnam. no, it's huh. World at War is uh, is World War Two. Is it? Huh. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm super hazy on the actual. Vietnam story. was a uh, uh, black. I just remember playing tons of it. Yeah, oh no, you, you, you know what? Be... I think Vietnam was a spinoff I played on PSP. You would be because forgiven. I played the, I played the PSP Call of Duty. There's a PS. Oh, is, it the is it the only version you played? No, I play. I play the original. Oh, okay. The actual I was about version, to say there Ooh. is a PSP <laughs> version of a Call of Duty game. There is like there's a lot of similar like themes of like jungle levels and like the enemies like hiding and popping out and stuff. So They're I remember as as a kid, I was confused about about that too because I was just like, I don't know which war this is in, but okay. <laughs> well, it was it was it's interesting. It was like, Call the... of Duty Roads to Victory on the PSP. Which is Whoa. still World War II. That's a title, but it's is a, a spin-off <laughs> that is super like just okay and oddly good for a <laughs> PSP game. Like the, see, the PSP was oddly powerful for when it came see, out. See, like like Call that's of Duty a that's false a, flag operation. Like that's not a great Call of Duty. You know what the it's still not as as bad as the worst Call of Duty title, uh, which is the big red one, which is a real title for a real game. Wait, it's called the Call big red one. The big red one is an actual title of a Call of Duty game, not even a portable like version Russia or something. I guess. I, okay. I hope you're kidding me. Um, but yeah, that's probably the worst title. Good. I, I, yeah, it was a. The it was one of the names one. for Call of Duty Two. Yeah, it, it was a side story uh-huh. expansion. 
that okay so it wasn't the, the main game title no no no, no. it was oh, okay. a, it was okay. a side story <laughs> no this was before they like dropped the uh it, it's the, the spider-man miles morales of call of duty <laughs> <laughs> what a oh man what a stretch yeah, <laughs> I, I found it really uh interesting like when i was thinking about nostalgic games it's like what's the cutoff date of like what i consider to be nostalgic and i feel like like after thinking about it it's like it's more about like what games in my in my past that i have a lot of fond memories over were important to me so it's like less about because like because i can go on and on it's like the first ps4 game i ever played was assassin's creed 4 and it like blew my mind just how like yeah amazing that game looked or I remember, uh, oh my god, I even had a PS Vita back in the day. And I remember the, the first PS Vita game I ever played was also the first Uncharted game I ever played, which was uh, Golden Abyss. Oh my god, Vita you game. played Golden Abyss? This, all right, I'm going to be honest with you for a second. For a PS Vita, like a handheld system, that was a pretty good Uncharted game. Dude, the PS like, Vita had a, some killer games. I still have them, yeah. They did such a great job of like taking Uncharted and like just crunching it down to a mobile system like it's a pretty they did a good job i think it's yeah. super impressive i don't think i ever got to play golden abyss but i i played tons of i think brett is probably the only one who's who might have also played these the hatsune miku psp and ps vita games no you haven't I, played you know those. what i uh i'm sure alex has not alex labella but i, I figured alex right would have me. forced you to play them at some point no, not not yet. I think you know what? Uh we That's were having a conversation about uh the, the PSP PS Vita cuz I was emulating something from there and then uh she was like, "Oh, check this out." And I was like, "I knew it." They're, <laughs> they're incredible. One. There had to be one. There is the one on the PS Vita has over 200 songs and they all have music videos. Yeah. It's like 200. imagine playing <laughs> Rock Band play a rock band game with 200 songs that all have full music videos that are well made in a that's Vita. the thing it's like rock band is just the wussy version of every single hot <laughs> i know ever made and no one will admit that <laughs> look they it's think disgusting it's, but it's true it's not japanese <laughs> or it's japanese so it can't be good <laughs> it's a mainstream copycat <laughs> I, I, I have a ton of really good memories on the PS Vita. Actually, it's it's the platform where I got Fez, and I really enjoyed Fez. Uh, it's oh not, yeah, Fez is not my thing at all, but I really enjoyed that game. Uh, also, I remember playing Killzone Mercenary, which was like the first, like really uh, impressive first-person shooter on the Vita, and it blew my mind just because it looked. It looked great for a handheld game, and it played really well for a first-person shooter. But I, I got Borderlands on PS Vita, and then never oh. bought another first-person shooter on that console again. I'm so sorry. No, but like, but like, Killzone Mercenary is a good example of like how to how to make a good first-person shooter because there were a lot of them. They were all like, like spin-offs of other PlayStation properties that were all made by one developer, and they all of them weren't very good, so they stopped hiring that developer. It was one developer, yeah. and they made ports. They made versions of like, um, I think they did like a Resistance game. I think they also did something with um, there's something with like, uh, yeah, no, it was Resistance, and they also did a Call of Duty on it too. That wasn't very good, so they're like, all right, you guys, hmm. stop, stop doing this, <laughs> stop doing this to people. But yeah. stop doing this to people. What a, I, what a, what a what, shame. It's a good that, console. Such a good system, dude. Except for the back touch panel. That was really dumb. And yeah, <laughs> I forgot but, about that. But like, 
But like other than that, like that was such a cool system. It was really well made, and like it has some good games for it. And Sony just absolutely did it dirty in every yeah sense. It's so I, I honestly think if if the Vita had been something akin to what the Switch is, it would have done so well. Yeah. Because, it, like, just the ability to plug it into a TV in any way, way, shape, or form. I think you can see from, like, the PS TV, which I don't know if anyone knows about this. It's a PS yeah. Vita that exists solely to be plugged yep. into a TV to play games with a controller. It's got the same amount of power as PS Vita. It's just, it plays them on a TV instead. And that's just bonkers to me, because that thing does really well. I literally, I looked for it for, like, a year, and it was just sold out everywhere. You couldn't get them. And I was like, wow. Because <laughs> I just wanted to play my PS Vita games on a, a larger screen uh, and it's like the first place where you could play uh, a lot of the persona games persona 4 golden is just really really good yeah Vita, they can Vita's never a make a follow-up now though nintendo just has such an iron grip on like yeah i think if they tried to do it now they would fail because nintendo's got such platform loyalty yep and they're the switch is such a good system in general that like it's got its issues but I think that when people think of Nintendo systems, the Switch is going to be up there with one of the the good the good ones, right? It's not going to be in a, in the Wii U territory. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I think I think that's really really good. Uh, I also got to to revisit some games that I played on the GameCube in their SNES versions recently with uh, Nintendo Switch Online. So I played the the original SNES versions of a bunch of games. I think Breath of Fire is one that I'd only ever played on the GameCube. It's an RPG series that's just very fun. Uh, there's all the Metroid games, pretty much. All the Metroid games that existed on GameCube aside from Fusion were basically just ports from the SNES versions. And the, uh, the SNES versions retain a lot of the good audio that they originally had, whereas the GameCube kind of had issues with that. Mm. So it's really fun to be able to go back and play those in, the, in their pure forms, as it were. Yeah, I oh, think Nintendo's doing pretty well on that end, at least for SNES. You want to hear a crazy, like, little, I guess, I, I don't know if I would call it hipster points to me, but <clears throat> my my uh, grandpa and grandma, whenever we would go over to visit, do you know what they had for my brother and I to play when we were over there? Not only did they have a Sega Genesis, they also had... Star Wars plug and play. They also had... <laughs> the Sega CD that was attached to it, and they had the Sega 32X that was attached on top of it as well. 32X? All, all Why does that one, sound familiar? All in one beautiful package that my brother and I and cousins would play with sometimes. And it was uh, an interesting experience. Jeez. Played like this 3D racing game. We would all huddle around this like horrible CRT and like compete with each other and then one of my cousins was an idiot and had a magnet right next to it and screwed up the team. No. <laughs> yep. Fun but, with magnets. Yeah. But now right. I can I can say that I've played on a Sega CD and a 32X. And I also want to bring up so there is one game that I think is super weird that I think takes my nostalgia throne because I always remember it. I don't remember the name until now where I just looked it up. I literally looked up old Mac dinosaur game. Oh my. And I don't know if anyone from that has ever played it. So it's a game called Nanosaur. And you're literally right. a, a velociraptor oh with God. mech a mech suit essentially, and you run around with like a laser blaster. 
it's the super early 3D yes. shooter. Ryan, I yes. played so much of this game on my grandmother's Mac. Like, I think this was a, a, an Apple II, like, not an Apple II, but uh, the original, like, Circle Sphere Mac computer. I totally forgot about Nanosaur. Dude, Nanosaur was my childhood. Like, this was Dude, legitimately the only game I played for entire summers. My godfather had it for some reason. He would always come over, and my brother and I would always play. I How did I forget about this? It's because this game is super forgettable, but it's also incredibly <laughs> unique because it's literally so cool. like you have it, is it like a meteor impacting you have to worry about. You got to go collect all the eggs. It's just a crazy game. You can do backflips. I don't think I ever played it, the multiplayer because I was never hooked up to the internet. You like explode oh, no, sources. It was split screen. See, this, here's the thing. We played the second one. My brother and I played the second one, which is maybe why you didn't have more. I don't know, but like. Well, I, I just played it on a on an original Mac with only one setup, so I don't think I ever tried it. It's the thing. I wouldn't know. No, I have to find a way to play Nanosaur now. Hold on. Now I gotta look up Nanosaur two and see if it's also if I played Nanosaur two as well or just Nanosaur. I I feel like I have to have played Nanosaur two because I must have Ryan, convinced people to, so to buy it for me. For reminding me. Like th okay. this game is wild to the point where I'm like so tempted to just go back and reinstall this. Ooh, I did play Nano. Did on the App Store? Hold on. I did play Nanosaur Two, but Nanosaur Two is not as old. It's like a much newer thing. It's still old, but it's a it's a weird experience. <laughs> oh, you can't get it on. Oh, I think it was on the App Store, but then like it didn't. There was probably some like. Yeah, these are these are super weird because they're like old Mac store games. Yeah, that is weird. I do remember playing a lot of Flash games as well. Oh yeah, I was about Library to get into those. Uh, That's right, there was a Mac store. I mean, who could yeah, forget? Yeah, there was a Mac store. It was the first like, like big app store. Fancy I was pants. Talk about fancy great. pants. Do you guys ever play? Um, it's like it's the, the the premise is that you're you're on Mars and you're like a little dome-shaped mining vehicle that has propellers in it when you when you go up to fly out of the ground and you just mine downward. Yes. It's called Motherload. I played Motherload so much. Dude, I, like... Motherload was, like, the proto-Minecraft for me. Exactly! I remember getting yelled at by teachers in the classroom for using the computer <laughs> in the back of the classroom to play it for too long during free time. Because I think like, anyone... Had to stop. So, for context for people who don't know, like, our general... We're not gonna say, like, our ages, but... Yeah. The general time we we lie around is in between millennial and Gen Z, somewhere in that span, yeah. a little closer to the millennial side, I think. The gray area. So yeah, for example, like like, you know, uh, the, when I was like, kind of playing games, Xbox, the original Xbox was still a big thing, but the 360 was right around. The corner. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Um, which I, I think made us a lot of us grow up, especially with me, like my parents had typically one generation behind tech stuff at least growing up now they're like my dad at least is huge into the breaking edge of stuff <laughs> he's always on top of that um but before it was always we had like essentially the old stuff so i had a, a ps1 and 2 i don't know if i ever played the ps1 or not but i know i played the ps2 uh the I, I didn't have an n64 i had a gamecube which was never had a wii I was like one of those, one of like the two people in the entire planet that never had a Wii. I played a, first it was Melee and then it was Brawl before school with 
my friend at like 6 a.m. every morning. <laughs> we would Gamer play time. it. <laughs> oh, I uh, remember like going every over single to my morning. It was great. I remember going over to my friend's house a lot to play Black Ops One, and we would like yeah. both take turns playing. I think it's it's super interesting because I'm I'm wondering what nostalgia is gonna feel like going forward because I think we have grown up with like what we would still consider boxy 3D games hmm. to where they look obviously dated now and I think going forward it's going to be like what's going to be the difference between a yeah. game that comes out now graphically and a game that comes out 10 years from now I think VR is going to be like the standard at some point and I feel like that's when we're going to be much older and be like, remember when games were played on a flat screen? On a screen. <laughs> oh. I want augmented reality to take off big time. That's, that's like, I think, the most promising tech thing because it has so many real-world implications of also being able to be used as like a yeah. design thing for engineering and whatnot. And so many different, uh, different uh, disabilities, too. Yeah, absolutely. Can help with. So I, I think that'd be super interesting to see that kind of thing take off i don't think flat screen games are going anywhere no because there's no. absolutely going to be markets for people that just want to sit down and like play a game with friends and that's and, a yeah, lot harder to do with vr some some people just can't play in vr like i still have a motion sickness problem absolutely. where i can't that bar to entry is still get the hang of it high. like it's just not it's getting there but it's not ready yet yeah and i mean the quest 2 is super cheap and it's coming out relatively soon but it's still a thing where like you need to be pretty tech savvy to be able to use stuff like that and not concern yourself about issues popping up uh, and know how to fix things. So I think stuff like the, the PSVR definitely helped, but the PSVR is such an kind of inferior experience to 360-degree VR that I, I wonder always, if, if it's a really a good introduction to it. It's, it's always interesting, like... I Ever since, like even before I really got into games, what I loved was just looking at video game history. Like just absolutely, it's, it's so interesting because now it's like you have the big three: it's Nintendo, it's Microsoft, and it's Sony. And like that's kind of it, right? Like in terms of like the big dogs. But like man, back in the seventies and eighties, it was like an absolute wild west. Like you had just so many different like. Uh, companies making systems because they were probably not nearly as much of a nightmare to like manufacture and develop as they are now and like ah, it's just it's i don't know i just find like video game history to be so interesting and that's why like i haven't played a lot of older games just because of the way that i grew up but i i know a lot about them you know it's it's there's a lot of them are, are just super interesting to like read about um yeah. i love stuff like no clip documentaries on older games just super interesting. Yeah. Uh, especially if you go back and play like old fighting games. Those are always huge like milestones for me as to like when did things like blocking get introduced to be yeah, like blocking. this is how games have changed. No, and one of the uh Ryan you were there. One of the one thing I I've I've done while I was at college was I I had this whole three piece presentation like I had three separate presentations about game narrative one of them was like the evolution of game narrative. It was so oh, interesting yeah. to go back and like look at how video game storytelling has evolved. So like you kind of started with just like it wasn't even in the game itself. It was mostly like on the back of the box or in a manual. And then you had games like Ninja Gaiden, which was the first like really recognizable game with like cutscenes and stuff like that. 
it's just cool to see like things the the seeds that were planted back in the 80s and how they've kind of grown now. yeah so and i always find it really interesting to look at like it, the ways things haven't evolved as well like what yeah. was so good that it doesn't need to be replaced like the original doom is still such a good game on its own that you don't mm. really need to replace any yeah. of it stuff, like, stuff still gets made for that engine or even things like i feel like something that's incredibly like under uh appreciated for just how long it stuck around is the traditional d-pad nintendo yeah had the had the control scheme down with the nes it's like obviously there's more buttons but like really that kind of like controller hasn't changed you know it's like if you if you look at anything that is a game controller and it doesn't have the traditional like like you know cross you know that plus shaped d-pad that nintendo's had forever it's like no one likes it because it's, it's not weird yeah it's weird you know like i just, as much as i love the 360s controller that d-pad is probably one of the worst things ever to be put on anything on any kind of plastic product it's it's terrible and yeah it's just like that's that thing's been around since like the 70s or like early 80s and it hasn't changed because it's it doesn't primordial it doesn't need to. It's perfect. Yeah. I don't know. I always think it's it's just really interesting to look at how games have evolved and how they haven't and like what old games have kind of led to that. Especially in the case of things like Doom, Wolfenstein, uh, Street Fighter 2 is always super interesting to think about just because it's basically shaped how every single fighting game plays forever. Mm. <laughs> at least so far. Uh, which or I would be surprised how... to see how something like breaks away from that. Or even how, you know, uh, hit, uh, Combat Evolved was like, that's the way you do first-person shooters on a console. That's, it hasn't yeah. changed. Like, everyone's been basically, it, you know, it's it's changed and evolved, but that basic idea of, like, how to set up a first-person shooter on a controller hasn't really changed that much since Combat Evolved. And there are so many games that have come out within the past five years that haven't done it nearly as well. It's It's kind of shocking. Yeah, I was gonna say people have certainly found uh, a myriad of ways to do it worse, <laughs> which is really funny because my god, that game is getting old. Yeah, you know, but like, even if I don't, uh, even if I'm not the biggest fan of like the original control scheme that it had, I prefer like, in terms of button layouts, I prefer something like Call of Duty's. But again, that that idea of like using you know auto aim and sticky aim and that kind of thing and bullet magnetism all that is still used and that and that game came out in what was that 2003 2005 something like that combat evolved yeah that's like 2000 2001 hold on yeah combat evolved is not super old no but like considering just how quickly games do evolve yeah yeah person shooters there's there's been it's kind of shocking how we just haven't really evolved past that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm always curious about that, because there are always games that kind of break that. The, th the thing I'm still surprised we haven't really gotten in mainstream is another game based off of, like, Metroid Prime's control yeah. style. Because it's, mm -hmm. it's still a first-person shooter, but it plays really differently, and I think it appeals to a different audience. So I, I would love to see more games take that kind of risk. I think the biggest thing that like that time has given us is this is speaking for me personally, but I think the biggest gift that time in the industry has given us is game feel 
and just how smooth games are to control. Yeah. Yeah, that that's the I big difference. I don't go back and play a lot of older games just because they feel so like clunky to me. And yeah. it's like even even, you know, people are like, "Oh, well, the Mario games on NES feel great." No, I I don't feel that way. And it's like a game needs to control really well for me or I'm done. Well, I think uh, something a lot of people don't remember about the original Mario, and and I think Mario 2 and 3 as well do this. I think by world, they kind of weren't. But how slidey they are. Yeah, they're they are super, super slidey. Like, they're very floaty. Uh, oh, yeah, especially... Nice oh, my... Yeah, the original Mario game, I, I remember playing it in sort of like a video game history exhibit thing. It It was like... It was like everything was an ice level. It's kind of hard. Yeah. It, it makes it's it really difficult to go back to. True. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people kind of forget about that when they think about old Mario games. And they're still fun. It's just you got to get past that bit of confusion, which was why when I went back to play Mario 64 with this new collection, I was super surprised. Because Mario 64 doesn't feel like that. Like, 64, it's still floaty, but that's just Mario in general. In platformer spaces, Mario is pretty floaty. Um, Mario 64 is just super good. Like, it's it's incredibly snappy. The only major dated thing about 64, I think, is the camera. Because it was designed for a controller that only had one analog stick. Yeah. Um, and I really wish that they had at least done some work in this, this remaster to make it a th full 3D camera. Uh, but even without it, it's still a fantastic game that plays really well. Yeah, there was that, that was period of like when the N64 first came out and you had all of these like different really well-known popular franchises that were trying to make that 3D jump. And yeah. just how many just I, I mean, I remember I remember looking up videos on like those two Castlevania games that came out for the N64, those like weird 3D platformers. Yeah. Or um things things like, you know, Metal Slug and um there's even like a 3D Earthworm Jim game. Both of those were just Terrible. Hmm. And I miss the 3D Earthworm Jim game. That game was so unique. <laughs> like I can't even imagine like what that must have been like for people in the industry who had been making 2D games for such a long time. Now it's like, yeah, well, this is it. 3D. That's the standard. That's what you have to do now. And that leap must have been just insane. They I mean, I think it the a... Dark Souls of game design. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, please don't say that. Uh, <laughs> How could you? So I don't know if anyone here has ever played or heard of a game called Mega Man Legends. Yes. I feel like I have. Wait a second. I haven't played it, but that's the 3D one, right? That's the 3D one. Yeah. Is that the one where his suit had a morality system? I think so. I don't remember, but I, I believe it is. So Mega Man Legends was like an almost RPG version of Mega Man. Yeah. That's 3D, uh, and you have an open world to explore. Yep. And yeah, it's really one. surprisingly still very good. Really? Yeah, it's because it has a lot of like little touches of ways you can affect the world and it's got hidden side quests. Like you oh. can get different branching quests based on what you do. <laughs> and it's stuff like if you don't get a soda can from the fountain and give it to this person, the side quest just won't appear because that person was never in the place to give that to you because they didn't have their soda. It's like little wow. things like that that I just love. <laughs> it's a super cool game to learn about because of how weird it is and how kind of, I would say, ahead of its time because it's an old game. 
uh, and it, it plays surprisingly well. It's still got the... It, it was kind of pre-big this is how we should control third-person games. So it controls very strangely. But it's not necessarily bad. It's just you have to kind of reorient your mind to be like, all right, the last 20 years of, of progress in games didn't happen. <laughs> and instead we went down this alternate history path <laughs> of controls existing this weird way. Which is super interesting. It's just a very unique game that I think anyone who hasn't heard of it should definitely at least look up a video of it. Because of just... I think it's just so unique as a, a game. There's not really a lot of things that can compare to it. Who else has got something to hit us with? I'm trying to think of some more. Yeah. It's it's weird for me because I'm like I'm in like a similar situation as Wyatt, but like I I didn't get any sort of thing to play on until the Wii came out. Which is like I, I I missed so much as a kid. So right yeah. now I've I've been kind of making a point to at least like like I'm playing through a bunch of Final Fantasy games. I have a PS2 and I'm just trying to. I feel like I'm trying to catch up. So I feel like I'm like experiencing all the all the people like oh yeah this game was great when I was a kid like, like however many years to, ago. It's and hard it's hard like to see what's really huh. nostalgic when you're in that kind of situation where it's like it's, I didn't start playing games until a certain point where like people wouldn't really consider that nostalgia it's yeah exactly it's it's bizarre because like galaxy was my first mario game and that game is still like top three most amazing games of all time on my list like that game is so good (laughs) and it's probably because it was my first it also still looks really good for being a a Wii wii game it looks amazing uh like for for me, I think there are definitely Wii nostalgia games because like Xenoblade Chronicles for me is a game I have a lot of nostalgia yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. And it, that was originally on the Wii, and it's just such a unique thing. And like Galaxy, I I only played a little bit of on the Wii. I played more of Galaxy Two because I think I didn't own my own copy of Galaxy. I I played like ah. a friend's copy, and then I got Galaxy Two for Christmas one year, and so I played that, uh, despite having not finished the first. So that was an interesting experience, and I'm excited to be able to actually play Galaxy now that I have All-Stars. It's so good. It's so good. I love that game so much. And there's also, like, we haven't we haven't really touched on it too much because it's, like, a weird thing, but there's, like... It doesn't happen anymore because we're, we're, getting, we're getting old. We're getting jaded. Um, Don't I feel it. like... Oh, quiet. <laughs> there's, there's, like... I can't. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I in like elementary school, early middle school, um, one of my friends was like, "Dude, come over! This game came out, and I got it. And I know you don't play games too much, but I don't have anyone else to play it with, and it's it's awesome. And there's there's a whole you can go through all the maps without anything in it, and it could just be us just shooting at each other. It's it's gonna be awesome. And I was like, okay, cool. This is this sounds great. I, I don't know what I'm doing." Um, and then like the the music was great and the menu and it's like whoa all this like all this armor looks super cool and then we would, like go outside in his backyard and like pretend to be the characters from it and it's just like wow yeah what a mysterious game it's Halo three but I didn't <laughs> know like whoa yeah this is a Halo game whatever as a kid it's like this is oh my god it's like watching a Star Wars movie for the first time not to get to the other topic of every podcast that we do <laughs> but it's like it's there's it's weird that we don't have that feeling of like 
this game is so new and and mysterious and incredible anymore because I, I think I think it's just because we're not we're not in elementary right. school anymore. I got a I got a counterpoint to you for that. Ooh, so we're also I in just, the industry. I was this is true. Just yesterday finished a game called Paradise Killer, which is this Paradise weird Killer. murder mystery indie game. Ooh. About like aliens that came to our planet. It's alternate history. They became gods. Oh, you now sick. you're 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 like trying to solve the murder of essentially a religious murder cult that uh, all died at once, and you have to figure out who killed them. And so it's it's a super interesting setup. Except the except the aesthetic is vaporwave. Oh. Uh, you play a main character named Lady Love dies. There's a character oh, in the game my. named Doctor Doom Jazz. <laughs> I finished this game and was left with that feeling. <laughs> I was left Utterly with this unique, feeling strange, of like, brilliant. <laughs> this is the kind of thing I wish happened more often of games just being so unique that I don't, I can't compare them to something else aside from like I can say, oh, the murder mystery stuff is kind of like Phoenix Wright, but then that doesn't at all touch the barrel of like the fact that you walk around and talk to a teleporting demon named Shinji who constantly has mid his middle fingers in the air. <laughs> like <laughs> this is good. It's it, it's such a unique experience that I think you totally can get that now. It's just rarer. I guess so. I yeah. I I guess it is just rarer. Yeah, yeah. I think you just need to know what to look for and and look for things that you wouldn't otherwise play. Because I feel like a lot of people get lock themselves into these boxes of like, oh, I enjoy RPGs and I'm not going to play anything else. And then that leads you to be like. Why am I not enjoying RPGs anymore? You probably just need to take a break and try something yeah. different. Well, that was me for the longest time, where it's like the only thing I would play is shooters. Like when I think of the two games that I played most, like before I went to college, right? It was Halo, Call of Duty, and Battlefield. Those are like the three things that I would always, always play. And so, definitely, like since I've been coming here and I've been meeting a lot of people that have a lot of different tastes, I, I'm trying to like branch out more i still will never play a jrpg unless it's called south park i can't do it but you know i'm definitely trying to uh, to, to branch out more but i did want to say something um related to what brett was talking about in terms of like you never have that feeling of like what is this game i've never heard of it before i feel like that feeling uh now like because we're older and because games journalism is so big now I think the only way to get that feeling is to have a game come out that a developer is trying really hard to keep secret. Or to literally go media blackout. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you have. Which so I've have, I started to do with games. I used to be like, why would you do that? Now I get it. Well, like the two games that come to my mind that give you that same feeling of like, what is this? Is Breath of the Wild and Death Stranded. Because both Absolutely. of those games were so dedicated to not giving anything away. And they were both very vague about like their direction the concept what they wanted to do right and so when you played those two games for the first time you were like like you didn't really understand how the game like like how the game worked because they were both so unique and and they both did things very differently from other games so you spent a lot of time like what really at the end of the day am i able to do in this world and like what is this world and stuff i, I feel like that's how you get that kind of feeling of wonder now is when a yeah. developer is trying so hard to keep I mean, it's it. also a lot of people mention Morrowind as giving that feel of wonder and that you can't replicate it I think Morrowind had a feel of wonder because the, the world was super unique you rode giant like dune striders around and they just haven't done that again <laughs> like it's not, a, it's not a thing of Morrowind isn't super unique 
of, of Morrowind is, is super unique, but nothing else is. It's just Bethesda has kind of locked themselves into high fantasy now and not touched yeah. any of the unique stuff any, since then. Uh, which is why I'm super excited for stuff like Avowed, because Pillars of Eternity's world is just yeah. bonkers. <laughs> uh, Ryan, Paradise Killer looks amazing. <laughs> Paradise Killer is an incredible game. I, like I, it, It's one of those games, I finished it, immediately uninstalled it, and just went, That's that was incredible. I'm never. I'm probably never gonna play it again. But that was an incredible <laughs> experience. I also just realized I've. I, I bought. Not not a, a a decent amount of Mario games. I've never finished a Mario game. Yeah, I, I used to play for the for the longest time. I did end up finishing Odyssey, uh, which is still like the only Mario game that I've given a lot of time to. I didn't finish. I didn't finish. Um, New Super Mario Bros. I didn't finish Paper Door or A Thousand Year Door. Not Paper, Paper Door. Door. I didn't finish Thousand Year Door. <laughs> I didn't finish Galaxy. Wow. Get to it. <laughs> get get cracking, you know. Huh. I still I have a copy of Thousand Year Door with me right now in a box. Uh, I don't have a GameCube to play it on, but I have a copy. So at some point. <laughs> I'll have to hook up a GameCube and play through it because I, I never have, and I own a copy of it. So I'm like, why would I? Why have I not played yeah. this? Um, I I think Mario games I finished. I finished Odyssey most recently, and then I finished uh, 64 a couple of times on my DS. I oh, never I finished finish Sun, Sunshine. I'm I'm going to now that it's out, but never finished it when it came out. Barely played it when it came out. Uh, I think I finished Galaxy Two, but not Galaxy. <laughs> Maybe it's hazy because I, I think Galaxy Two didn't leave as big of an impact on me. Uh, I, I before I forget, I also do need to mention that I do have a lot of fond memories of playing Battlefront One and Two. Uh, oh, oh, absolutely! Like Battlefront oh. Two is incredible. That's a video game. It's also that still is... it holds up surprisingly <laughs> well. Yeah, I wish I got uh, into shooters earlier. <laughs> I, I'm the opposite. I wish I got into JRPGs earlier because now I'm I'm playing them now and it's like, man, I would I would have been such a, a smart kid if I had only <laughs> if I had only made the right choice and started playing. Yeah, I think like legitimately I can credit a lot of my interest to things like books and reading to RPGs that I played, and especially JRPGs that are super text heavy, like Final Fantasy. It, it sounds dumb, but it makes sense. Well, it's because really you're reading a novel's worth of words whenever you exactly. play a JRPG, if it's, not more than a novel. It's so frustrating, too, for, for someone like me who, you know, I'm studying narrative. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to make the joke eventually. It's fine. <laughs> but, like, but, like, in all seriousness, like, as someone who is like you know studying game uh, game narrative and game writing is really into like how video games tell stories right I, it's so frustrating for me for, for someone who mentally for various reasons can't sit down and read like, even if it's something that's really interesting to me it's very difficult for me to sit down and read something uh and 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 expect to pay attention or or not have to like get up and, and do something else and I just, I just wish that I, I had more patience for things like RPGs that have a lot of text and you know turn-based mechanics and stuff like that. Because I feel like RPGs is, is one of those things where it's like that's where all the a lot of the great video game stories are. But for someone like me, I just can't get into them because I can't mentally, I can't sit myself down and read that much. 
you could yeah. just like chill with someone else who is either playing it for the first time or is is just knows how it goes and then just hang out with them while they play the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always no, find is, what's what's fun to do with that is have a new person play the game while a person who's played it like sit there. So you have someone to, to bounce things off of. Oh and you're not yeah, getting, yeah. You're, ne you're certain, never like having a dull moment. There's this like there's this weird part of me where it's like if I'm playing a single player game for the first time, especially if it's like a new IP or a new world that I never experienced before, it's like no, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to like turn the lights off and like just get you know put my headphones on and just and just completely just escape into it and not have anyone yeah, else to I totally get that distract me, you know I think for me that mostly happens with new games and if it's an older game especially something I I tend to try things once and if I have trouble getting into it the first time I'll let someone convince me and then probably do it with them or like talk to them while I'm playing through it and be like all right what should I be avoiding because I think especially in the case of something like Xenoblade and a lot of the Final Fantasy games there's a lot of just unnecessary text Oh yeah, that that just gets old, and even the best ones, that's the case. Of like a lot of the times, it's it is just like super clever jokes and whatnot. But occasionally, you just want to get to the next story sequence that actually is important to you. Okay. I think like especially Xenoblade has an issue with that. The older you go to, like especially with Final Fantasy, there's just so much BS. Like you have you if you're going back to play something like like four or five or six or something you just kind of have to go in with the mindset that you are playing a snes rpg and you will feel pain when the game decides <laughs> yeah. that you did not save four hours ago and now you have to do it all over again oh no that's the other big big reason that i can't get into older games is because they're so like unrelenting unrelentlessly punishing and I feel like I've talked about this before, but a lot of people like when their games are tuned to be really, really hard. And I get that. And that's definitely like an appeal to video games. But for someone like me, it's less about like the challenge of the game and more about like just experiencing the world and the characters. Well, it's also like, there's, I, there were legitimate reasons for games to be that way because it was about time where they, you needed the person to play the game for X amount of time so they felt like they got their money's worth. And the oh, easiest no, way to get that to happen was to make it super hard. There were there were both like time limitations and technical yeah. limitations. I get that, but like the, the, the first like games that didn't do that were basically RPGs that were long without needing to be difficult, yeah. like Final Fantasy. Well, I mean, Legend of Zelda had like one of the first NES games with like a battery backup where you could yeah, do, yeah. basically save from anywhere, right? I think. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just, again, it's another reason where, like, I feel so disconnected from older games because it just has so many things that are so, like, make it or break it for me. It's like... Well, it, you, have, you have a computer that, that can run, like, Minecraft on it, right? Uh, at the most, Minecraft, yeah. Well, like, I, 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 don't, I don't know how controversial of a topic this is. We might have to do the, a whole other stream's worth of dialogue about this one, but, like... The, uh, one of the wonderful things about uh, emulation is that save states. No, yeah. I, I no, I, I understand, and and this actually kind of leads perfectly into something else that I wanted to mention was I feel like like remakes or like remastered collections of of older games was made specifically for me in a way because. I've been reading a lot about, like, the... Uh, they just released Mafia, the Definitive Edition, right? And not only did they 
kind not only did they make you know have a in a whole new graphics engine they make it look you know nice and pretty and modern but they also changed a lot about the gameplay you know it's a much better shooter now the 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 uh, vehicle controls are a lot better and it's like this kind of game this remaster or this remake was made for someone like me who doesn't who is interested but doesn't but can't get into those older games because of their age and now they're being not only just visually upgraded but from a gameplay perspective they're also being changed and so those kind of like remakes i'm so or uh yeah remakes i'm so happy about because they're made for yeah. people like me it's we're becoming more of a trend too because uh yakuza has been doing it with the kiwami versions where they essentially updated everything that was old enough to feel really dated into just brand new like feels like a modern game yeah uh which is why if you haven't played yakuza definitely jump in with zero and then play the kiwamis because they're all really good and they show you like that series was working on some narrative stuff that was super ahead of its time when it comes to like voice acting and how how the games play it's just crazy to think about uh we're getting stuff like uh assassin's creed games getting modernized um oh Resident Evil. Yeah, Resident Evil is getting the remakes that are really, really cool. Uh, maybe Demon Souls. We'll see if there's any real gameplay changes in that. I hope so. Because there are some, some systems in Demon Souls that I, I really just despise. Really stupid. <laughs> yeah, they're Crash just and, very Crash dumb. Crash and Spyro have all gotten really great uh, remake yeah. collections or master collections. As well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's becoming a trend because it, it's, it's more than just like new people being able to see the game it's also like old people being able to experience the game as they remember it being really good yeah uh it's like being able to play halo 2 now and then play with the remastered graphics and be like yeah this is like what i imagined it to look like while i was mm -hmm. playing it imagine being someone who's never played a halo game before and they have almost every single thing halo related in one disc or just on your pc it's a like, miracle like i can't even imagine what that must be like it's wonderful <laughs> you know Especially if the, if you haven't had an Xbox or something before, you now have a, an, a, the ability to play one of the, like the best gaming franchises there is, uh, in a really convenient form. At least now it was it was iffy on launch, but now it's great. Oh, it was a disaster. Yeah, but it's okay now. But <laughs> it is. It is. No, but I mean, I, I I feel like I've said this several times, but like it is probably the best like remastered collections of any franchise ever. Like, oh, not only is it probably yeah. the most comprehensive, but it's also had the most love put into it. Like, they're not games that were, like, completely made in a new engine. That's different. But in terms of games that were, you take the same code and you just make it look prettier, like, it's probably the best collection in terms of, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they're super good. Uh, all right. So we talked about remakes. We talked about a bunch of stuff. Does anyone have other topics they want to cover before we hit our shoutouts? We're running an hour and twenty minutes right now. We're, we're we're kicking to the end. I don't know. This was like such a, a wholesome little like trip down memory lane. Yeah, that was the point. That's the point. It's for, it's for people listening to like imagine our experiences <laughs> and also trigger experiences trigger their of own their memories. own. Yeah, go back like, and even play if fancy you're, you're a lot again, younger than you us, you probably have flash games as things that you remember. Um, Especially like students now. Yeah. A lot of fun. Play a little bit of escape. Uh, little Big Planet. I know a lot of people will probably have nostalgia for Little Big Planet. 
No? I know a bunch of people that do, but I never I played have, it. I, I remember having a ton of nostalgia for a lot of mobile games when I first got uh, an iPod. Dude, Infinity Blade is, is weirdly nostalgic yes! for me. Oh! Absolutely. I'm glad you, you said one. that to remind me of Infinity Blade before we ended. I'm so sad they don't have them on the App Store anymore. <laughs> I, the thing that hurts to me with Infinity Blade, and for people who, who don't know about Infinity Blade, because it's not even available anymore. All you have is like sticker Epic pack. and Apple's collaboration to make a super cool <laughs> mobile pseudo RPG. It's not really an RPG, but it's an action game for your phone that looked really good and had it was the first game to use like swipe combat really well, where you would like mm. swipe your finger along an enemy's sword to like parry them, and it was first person. It was super cool. cool. And What's great about it though? Nothing oh, else okay. has done yeah. that nearly as well as Infinity Blade did. <laughs> And what's what's great about it too is that like <clears throat> it started off being very kind of like uh point in a way, but with two and three they just kept expanding on it. Like they kept doing such a yeah, good job of like, good way to had a book yeah. come out about it and it was a good book. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like it they, three? they did all sorts of crazy things, like they would they started adding different weapons, like alternate paths. And like just more a more explorable like castle. And stuff. I loved finding three alternate ways around levels. Yeah, they basically three became was... Metroidvanias. Three like was the one way. with a real big like fantasy story that referenced the past games. That was really yeah. interesting to me. Yeah, because well, three had like entire prequel and sequel novels. It was wild. <laughs> and the thing is, they were actually oh. good. Uh, Why do we have to bring this up now? I miss it again more. <laughs> It, it, it's just so How painful to me that Infinity Blade is literally just not playable anymore. You can't play it because iOS, if you have an upgraded, I, updated iOS phone, it just doesn't work. Uh, and Apple is so like closed off in their ecosystem that there's not really any good uh, versions out there that you can download on any yeah. other device. And even, even if it was, you know what the problem is? What? It uses the Unreal Engine. Yeah, uh, as well. That, it's also super interesting to think Ooh. about with Epic and Apple right now. It was and an again, Epic game. We did say this when we mentioned this case. It was going to go on for months. It's going on for months at this point. Uh, yeah. The, the Epic and Apple thing. More people have like hopped in. Like, or more uh, uh, companies have hopped in, too. I don't remember. Yeah, we've talked about most of them, I think. Um, but it, it's interesting more, seeing yeah. things like that happening. Uh, and speaking of nostalgia, we have breaking news. Oh. The the uh, original Farmville game is officially ending. Oh yes, my God! After eleven years, yes. Oh my God! It's Finally, ending. The it's end not even ending because they're stop, not supporting the game. It's ending because Adobe is no longer distributing Flash Player. The oh end my of God! Dynasty. Which is wow. going to be like the end of an era because it means basically anything that only exists in Flash form will be not playable on modern browsers. You'll still be able to play stuff on older things, but Flash is like a legitimate security concern now. So recommend not using it generally, but a lot of old games are, are still fine. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's most of our, our nostalgia games discussion, I think. Yeah. Does anyone feel unsatisfied? Any any last grievances to air? No, I'm. You know I'm what? I want to say one word and see what the reaction is. I got to say one word and see what the reaction is. Spore. Eh, really? Never. Nothing. I was never part of the spore uh, story. <laughs> spore either. was was weird in that it was also one of the only games I played because like I went from Nanosaur 
to Spore to Oblivion to World of Warcraft for a little while and then never played World of Warcraft again. <laughs> oh, wait, has anyone here played well. Spectrobes? Oh, I've played Spectrobes. Oh, uh, I've got, I've got two words. Why does that sound familiar? It is a DS game. Never mind. It's never a DS game about unveiling DS. like weird stuff. It was like you had to, to archaeologize dinosaurs, right? It, it was like, it was, oh God, it was a weird sort of it was half fossil fighters, if you've ever played that game. Yeah. With the sort of a uh, blowing and drill using mechanics to mine fossils and things like that. And then there was this the, the, this janky combat where you could have two monsters uh, stand to either side of you, and, and you ran into enemies. It was... Alex, you want me to blow your mind right now? Yes. There was please. a sequel in the week called Spectrobes Origins. Are you kidding me? Are there's you another, kidding me? Brian, I'm going to come over to your room and I'm going to throttle you. There was a game that came out in June of this year called Spectro. Boom. Not the same. <laughs> hmm. Not the same. That was a dud, yeah, Wyatt. Here, here. No. You know what isn't a dud, though? Two words that'll strike fear into the heart of any serious gamer. Are you ready for this? Club Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> We've all played it. Come on now. We've all oh, everyone's it. played it. I mean, if you're if you're around our age, you probably played Club Penguin as part of a class assignment at one point. It's yeah, the even first that. It was never the first a class way I got we played it a lot on our school computers. My first foray into competitive gaming was the Iceberg Flip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine was also Club Penguin, except it was when they had that like, like ninja card fighting game or oh. whatever. Oh. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh. I was there. I was there when it came out, man. All right. Wow. I think we've officially hit the point where we need to end because Ooh. we're going off the rails. <laughs> For the iceberg. And we're, uh, we're about exactly at our, our time. Again. Hour 25, that's a good point to go into shout-outs. Oh, yeah. This is true. So we're going to start at the bottom. We'll go with Wyatt. What's your shout-out? I'm always on the bottom. <laughs> That did not come out Family the way friendly. Very nice. Family let's, friendly show. I've got, I've got an absolute banger of a shout out for you. Are you ready for yeah. this? All right. So we all know that God of War Ragnarok is coming out. We're all excited. It was, it was announced, what, two weeks ago? However long ago that was? False. It was actually revealed last year. And almost no one knew about it. Thank you for reading you the know thumbnail why? of the video, word for word. Oh, is that the thumbnail of the video? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Why it has become the clickbait. <laughs> oh, no. Your boy, my boy, Cody Balrog. Corey Balrog. Corey Balrog, not Cody. Excuse me. <laughs> creative director of God of War uh, released this massive, like, string of tweets last year talking about the development of uh, God of War. And if you take the first letter from each one of those tweets, it spells Ragnarok is coming. And almost no one knew about it. And I find that just to be the greatest thing. That blows my mind. What? Especially because it's like a common way for video games to tease things, is doing that. Yep. And no one, at least, look, I'm sure there's people noticed it, but it was not talked about. Yeah, definitely not. I love when stuff like that happens. Yep. God. That's... Uh, 
I'm all about puzzles. That's the thing was interesting because I I don't think there was ever doubt in anyone's mind that there would be a sequel to God of War, the new God of War. So, that might be. I still haven't played it yet. It's I need to. I have it on my shelf. It's very good. I don't play it either. It's probably one of like look. PlayStation's released a lot of great exclusive. It's probably one of the best. All right, is that you set your shout out? Yeah, just I thought that was really cool and. He's my boy, and I love him so much. Yeah. So much that I can't remember his name. All right, I also got a banger to shout out. I'm, I'm going to shout out... This is the game, the, the, the show where I shout out all the weird games that I love to play. Uh, there's a new game called 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. I don't know if any of y'all heard about this. I had a Not a whisper. So, <laughs> has anyone here heard of the company Vanillaware? I... No. Not at all. So Vanillaware <laughs> made a has made a few games. They made Muramasa Rebirth for the uh, the Wii and the PS Vita, which is a really good 2D action game. They made Odin Sphere Leafthasir for originally PS2, and now it's been remastered for PS4. Uh, what what was that name? Odin's Sphere Leap of Fear. Odin Sphere Leafthasir. It's it's like a it's not an English word. Uh, oh, it's a really good action game, 2D action game. Then they made Dragon's Crown, which is oh! the the like hyper proportionalized uh, hack and slash for Vita originally. Yep. Are all of their name formats nouns noun? Kinda. Uh, and then they s- were quiet for a while, and they're working on something else as well. And like I think it was twenty nine people from that studio formed a little sub, not a sub studio, but they they started working on a project called Thirteen Sentinels Aegis Rim. Which is this passion project that they've been working on, I think, for like 10, 12 years at this point. It just came out. It is a sci-fi narrative adventure with like real-time tactical combat that explores the concept of having 13 protagonists for your game and being able to play them in any order you want. It's so cool. Huh. It's such a good game. And like huh. it, it has these multiple timelines. It uses literally every sci-fi trope ever, and I mean that oh. literally. It's got the tropes of cloning. It's got uh, space. Right. It has aliens. giant robots. It's got tons of giant robots. It's, <laughs> the Sentinels are Gundams, essentially. Uh, and all your protagonists are piloting these Sentinels, and it's uh, just about like they how are. they reach there. And this like final battle to save the planet, but it turns out there's tons of time travel shenanigans going on. It's an incredible game. I'm like six hours into it at this point, and I'm just like being, I'm less speechless. Like, I just hit a point in the game where I was like, this is one of the best twists. That it's a, it's a quiet twist. It's just like one little bit of information just changes how you perceive every other character in the game. And Why I must you introduce me to these incredibly amazing looking and sounding niche games that I have never heard of and now want to spend all my money on? <laughs> but yeah, Why that and Paradise Killer have been like the highlights of my month. To buy games, like if not your food, Wyatt for food. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, Brett, it's your turn. Um, one second, putting that on my list, <laughs> the ever-growing <laughs> list. Um, uh, this isn't something I've been playing uh myself, but I'm watching uh uh one of uh one of my friends play uh Hellblade: Senwa's Sacrifice, oh, and it was one of those games yeah. where I like. None of the trailers do it justice at all. Like I just kind of like looked at them and I was like, okay, this just looks like 
Viking game or whatever. But like, just even just watching him play it, it's like, how can you get like an entire game that just doesn't have or need any UI in it at all? Because the sound is so good. It's insane. Yep. It's it's mind blowing, and I, the, depending on where it goes, because we're not too far into it, and again, I'm only watching it being played. But like, it might a, uh, it might dethrone PT for the scariest, uh, <laughs> Ooh. just thing ever. It is. I don't know. Has anyone else here played it? I have. I, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really tense. It's, it is. Yeah. You know, you take what could be an average game and you absolutely, completely perfect one aspect of it, and it's an entirely new experience. Absolutely. And it's and it's also done amazingly by the people who did DMC Devil May Cry. Which it's, goes, yeah. so they can make a good game. It's, it's very bonkers. possible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, DMC wasn't even that bad. It was just not what people wanted, is a good way to put it. No, uh, it's it's proof to the people who said that they... That it, like they can't make a good game. It's like, no, yeah. Screw you. yeah. <laughs> All right, we ready to move on to Alex? Um, I guess. Do it. Oh. Let's see. I thought it was. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, shout out to my favorite. Well, pretty close to favorite. Um, probably shouldn't be a children's book author, Edward Gorey. <laughs> Explain. <laughs> I, so I had this was a while ago that I got. I, I went on a, uh, a visiting family in Massachusetts, and we went to this town and we saw we went to a museum about this author uh, named Edward Gorey, and I have a book uh, that I brought with me, which is technically an ABC's book. Um, but every, every different one of the letters is a child, uh, by that name dying. Oh my. And it's illustrated in a very strange way. <laughs> I think I might've heard of that actually. Is it like weirdly, like almost Tim Burton-y looking the art? Very much so. It is called the yeah, Gashley yeah. Crumb Tinies. Oh yeah. I've heard of this. All right, I think that's a, that's a good note to end on. We've had some fun shoutouts this week. As always, this podcast airs every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. on both YouTube and Anchor and pretty much every other major podcasting platform. We occasionally do a sideshow called Games Club. It's fun. We had a few up there. We got discussions about Last of Us and Last of Us Part 2. Uh, we're planning to do some stuff with the Batman games at some point, so we got some fun things get around planned. Playing them, <laughs> but yeah, we got, we got lots of stuff planned. Stay tuned. Gaming. Play games, you will. I have a, <laughs> I have a secondary shoutout. Uh, sh- shout I mean, the outro is playing if you want to give your secondary shoutout. I know, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, I would like to uh, formally thank. Netflix for taking out an episode of the game. I'm not it? 